Restaurant. Unstoppable, episode 79. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It's Eric Cacciatore. I have a great show for you today. It's kind of a long one, too, so I will make this quick. As always, just have to remind you to please give me a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you find this content helpful, um, that really helps me with spreading the word and getting noticed. Also, let me know who you want to hear from and what you want to learn, and I will do my best to put something together for you. And with that said, enjoy today's show. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Pete Sinek. Pete, are you ready to drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge? Let's go. I can't wait. Let's do it. So Pete graduated from the University of Michigan with a business degree, which we will learn has served him well. He has since accrued over 30 years of experience working in the San Francisco Bay Area. 12 of those 30 years was spent with the Kimpton Group as General Manager and Regional Director of Operations. In less than a decade, he helped the Kimpton Group grow from 4 to 25 locations. In 2001, he joined forces with Pat Coletto Restaurants and today serves as Executive Director of Restaurant Operations and is a Managing Partner at Epic Roast House and Water Bar. In all of his spare time, which I'm sure isn't much, he serves as president of board, or sorry, president of the board of directors of the Golden Gate Restaurant Association and volunteers for two scholarly hospitality programs. Pete, how the heck do you do all of it, man? <laughs> well, it uh, does take uh, a few hours out of the day, but uh, it is something that I totally enjoy and get a lot of satisfaction out of, and so that's what keeps me going. Awesome. Um, I mean, I just can't wait to learn from you today. You have such an incredible background. Your resume is extremely impressive. Um, so tell us, like, what drove you into the hospitality industry, and what ba- what path did you take to get to where you are today? Okay, well, it is in some ways maybe a little bit out of the ordinary, but it could also be considered uh, typical of a restaurant career. I started as a dishwasher back when I was in high school, and uh, then I actually did dormitory food service, University of Michigan, and uh, worked in a bar and restaurant in Ann Arbor. When I was about to graduate, I decided that I did not want to be an accountant and that I was having a little bit more fun in restaurants. And so I decided to take that on as a career. I got uh, hired by Houlihan's Restaurants and came right out to uh, the Bay Area in 1980. Awesome. So Uh, I've been here ever since. You said you had more fun in restaurants. What was it that appealed to you about this industry? Well, it was was really about uh, the people and the pace and sort of the in-the-moment thinking on your feet. 
you know, that was that was really that was really challenging. And then being able to to do that well, there was an internal satisfaction just around being able to handle it, as well as being able to work in the team environment, mm-hmm. as well as being able to take care of other people. Awesome. So you were starting to talk about your move to the San Francisco Bay Area. That's where you left off. I came out in uh, 1980 and, uh, you know, really a young buck starting my management career with Hands. I, I worked in uh, Cupertino, Sausalito, San Francisco. Then I went to work with the Kimpton Group at Coletto's Restaurant on Powell Street, which is right on Union Square. And uh, that's a restaurant that I... In the 12 years that I worked with Bill Kimpton, uh, I always maintained uh, a relationship and connection with Coletto's. It's actually where I met my partner, Pat Coletto. I was a GM there at Coletto's for about seven years and then went up to director of operations with Kimpton, opened up restaurants in Seattle, Portland, Chicago, Salt Lake City, Denver, San Francisco. Then in 2001, I came to work directly with Pat Coletto to work on a couple of different restaurants here in San Francisco, which was always sort of my dream was to be a, uh, an owner-operator of my own place. Awesome. And uh, that dream came true. Yeah. And- so I, I started working with Pat in 2001, and uh, I opened up a restaurant up in St. Helena called Martini House with Pat and Todd Humphreys as a chef, and then started working on this project here on the waterfront in San Francisco. We started working on uh, this two-restaurant project in 2003, and uh, after uh, a number of uh, hoops, barrels, and hurdles, we got uh, Water Bar and Epic Roast House open in 2008 uh, and uh, have uh, continued working uh, with those two restaurants and building them over the last few years, as well as working with Pat on uh, his other restaurants in San Francisco, Boulevard, Farallon, Jardinere. Awesome. Well, you've had an incredibly impressive career. Congratulations on all of your success. And the other thing, too, is you're a director of operations. I don't get an opportunity to talk to many folks with your mentality, and I love pulling the information out of you kinds of guys because you just have so much value stored up in there. I can't wait to tap into it. But before we do, I would like to ask you to share with us a success quote or mantra. Um, I mean, I just want to get that motivational and inspirational ball going. So what kind of drives you uh, and, you know, what mantra kind of echoes in the back of your head when you wake up every day? Well, I think that there's a there's a story that uh, has become somewhat legendary uh, over my career, and uh, I call it the starfish story. And what it does is it talks about uh, an old man down at the beach that is uh, throwing the starfish that are stranded on the beach out into the water as the sun is coming up. And a young boy takes a look at him and asks him the question, what difference does it make? The beach goes on for miles. There's thousands and thousands of starfish. What difference can you possibly make? The old man picks up a starfish, looks at it in his hand, throws it out into the water and says it makes a difference to that one. Or the moral of the story is, you can touch one person and make a difference every day. And that's uh, sort of the drive that, that I try to keep in the forefront of what I do. 
whether it's with a guest, an employee, or the business side of the operation, make a difference. Wow. Um, that's one of the better mantras I have heard, and it's so true. Um, I mean, in this industry, we have that ability to impact people and in, to create that influence. And, I mean, sometimes you might get tired and you might want to just shrug off the last few guests, but it's maybe within those last few guests that you make a real big difference or, I don't know, impart yeah. an influence on them. You never want to stop, stop short. So, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, it is. It is, it is a challenge in the business because the ability to be a successful restaurant means that you are going to serve hundreds, if not thousands, of guests on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. When you really boil it down to that level of moments of truth, to say that just one person that you can make a difference with, it can be somewhat daunting, but it does keep you sort of focused on what our ultimate, uh, you know, what our ultimate responsibility is in the restaurant business. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So now it's time to kind of peel back the layers on you. Uh, so what is your it factor? What qualities do you possess, which you think most contribute to your success? You know, one of the things for me is that I, that and coming from Michigan in the Midwest, I've got a really strong work ethic. Uh, and, and, and very dedicated. And, you know, sometimes I believe that that, you know, that, that strength, if you're not conscious of it, could also become a weakness because it can really just mire you down in, uh, the hours and the minutia of what it takes to, uh, to be a successful restaurant. But, you know, I try to, I try to be dedicated. Uh, I, I certainly have a passion for pleasing people. And I think that that one of the things I would say as it relates to that that has made me successful is that I've tried to surround myself with other people that share that passion. So if I can get people around me that are successful and that are dedicated, then that is going to be the, the, the true way that ultimately I, I or the restaurant uh, can be successful. So I'm one to really sort of stay mindful of the fact that it, that it takes a lot of people to, uh, make a successful restaurant. And, uh, I just got a couple of guys that just, uh, dropped off a little, uh, uh, a little souvenir here for me. A couple of my, uh, couple of my purveyors just dropped off a, a model truck. Isn't that a, uh, isn't that a nice little, little gift as, uh, but I, I, I kind of digress. Um, so, so surrounding myself with, with, with great people and trying to inspire them uh, to go above and beyond. And then I think the ultimately, like, I try to make this commitment to continuous improvement. Always strive to learn something, do something better um, every day. And if you can keep yourself on that path, uh, I think that, you, you know, ultimately can achieve a greater level of success. Are That's you, a lot of stuff wound into that answer. Yeah, and I'll recap. Uh, work ethic, dedication, passion for pleasing, surrounding yourself with similar, similarly passionate people, and commitment to constant and continued improvement. And are you familiar with the term Kaizen? I am. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I love that. And that's basically, it's the Japanese expression for constantly be improving. Don't settle for where you are. Always go for that higher step. And it's, it's just, I mean, you're dropping gold right now and I, you are proving to be a very valuable guest. Um, but I mean, you mentioned all these different it factors, but can you take one or a couple of these it factors and apply it to a time in your career where these factors contributed to the next level or got you to that next part of your journey and take us to the moment, share us with us the story and how did that make you feel? You know, every day is a story in the restaurant business and it would be, uh, it would be a great book if I could put it all together, but, uh, I'd buy it. you know, and trying to think about, uh, you know, maybe one of the, Early in my career at Coletto's Restaurant on Powell Street, which was a, a, a phenomenally busy restaurant right on the cable car line uh, and did, you know, somewhere in the area of, you know, three to 400 lunches and and about the same three to 400 dinners and was open continuously through the day. I, I was really focused on how on just sort of the volume and one of the managers came to me and said, one of my, one of my assistants said, you know, I think it would be great because the, at, the, at the front desk, the hostesses were answering the phone. And one of the assistants said, maybe we should have somebody else answer a phone somewhere else, you know, remote office. And at first, I couldn't believe that that would be something to consider. You know, I would thought, oh, it's, that's going to add on extra labor cost. And what about when the guest calls that's going to tell you that they're running 15 minutes late and it's not the hostess, it's host or hostess that's answering that phone call. And so uh, I, I, I sort of had this negative block against it. But then, you know, I started to think a little bit more about it. And then it was like, well, you know what, let's give it a try. Let's, let's try to, you know. And so what I did was I told the manager, go for it. You figure it out, hire the person, figure out where they're going to go, figure out how it's going to work. And so I tried to, to, to put the responsibility onto someone else to make it successful. And that manager then owned it, went out and hired a great person. And actually what it wound up doing is inevitably it made the restaurant busier because then the people at the front desk could focus on the guest and could focus on the seating of the restaurant, and ultimately it increased the cover counts and probably most definitely gave the guests that did call in a better experience on the phone. To this day, that person that was hired as the, the first phone reservationist at Coletto's, that, and I'm going back now to, I'm thinking like 1989 or 1990, that person still works for me today. Oh, wow. So of these it factors, which of them do you think applies most in this circumstance? Well, in, in that case, you know, it, it, I think commit, committing to the improvement of a process that already was working and, and, but not taking that approach of it's not broken so you don't have to fix it. Mm -hmm. I think that really applies. And then uh, the ability to give people the opportunity to be successful and sort of delegating and letting them go on their own, but also watching the process in terms of how it plays out. So surrounding with other successful people, I think that that, that applies as well. 
Awesome. And I just wrote down uh, before you gave us uh, the description of how it applies, empowering and delegating. And uh, the type of delegating that you described was stewardship delegating and it's extremely effective. Um, and we can all learn just from that example alone. If you give people, if you empower them with the ability to delegate, you, you're going to relieve you know the workload for yourself, but you're also going to provide a sense of empowerment in your staff, which is just going to lead to people being happier and feeling more valued. I mean, everything you're saying is so valuable. Uh, I could go on and on, but I won't. We'll try to get to the next question. Um, so you talked to us about how your if factor contributed to your success, but we all experience failures and challenges. So tell us the story of a time you failed. I'm thinking back to when we opened Water Bar and Epic in 2008. You know, we were, we had based all of our projections on how we had had viewed the restaurant industry in San Francisco over the 2000s, and and it had been it had been increasingly growing, and the pent up anticipation for these two restaurants opening because they were built from the ground up. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, It was a process of about a year and a half where people knew we were going to open and were waiting for it. And when we opened up, we were busier than what we could handle. So we had to add staff, you know, really look at uh, the different components to the bar and the dining room and the private dining rooms. And so out of the gate, overly successful. And then the economy turned right about the middle of 2008 or the, the end of 2008. And our business dropped by 25%. The, the restaurants were losing money. And this is, this is really after one year of being open. What would you, know, you contribute to, to that, a, that failure? What would you say the cause of that failure was? You know, the, the, the economic outlook and just the, 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 the whole economy downturning was when everyone took a really hard look at where their spend was going and, and Epic and Water Bar are a little bit on, I'm going to say they're, they're reasonably expensive restaurants. So that was an easy cutout of somebody's mm-hmm. budget. And so, you know, we just saw less people coming. Mm-hmm. It was difficult to deal with because I had already overstaffed the restaurants to be able to deal with a high demand. And yeah. so I had to go through and, 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 and I had to cut staff. Mm, I had to, I had to, I had to let people go, and those are really difficult decisions to make because those are people that, that you've invested time and effort into, and and in turn they've given back to you in terms of their dedication and loyalty. But uh, we had to make some difficult cuts, and then we had to really take a look at how could the restaurants be more accessible to all people without compromising the focus on truly what they were, which which Epic is a great steakhouse and Water Bar is a great seafood restaurant. At that point, what you really have to do, and this is sort of a guiding compass that I use in looking at how to be successful, how do you balance the needs of the three major stakeholders of the restaurants? That is the guests, the employees, and the investors are owners. And so I liken that to, this is dating myself, but you go way back to on the Ed Sullivan show where he had the guy out on stage that would spin the plates on the broomsticks mm-hmm. and you get the plates spinning. And so I look at balancing the needs of the guests, the employees, and the investors as having three plates spinning on broomsticks. And when one starts to wobble, 
and it's not spinning, then you've got to go over and give it a little bit of a spin and pay a little bit of attention to it. But you've got to do that to all three areas. Mm -hmm. You can't just go to one. Otherwise, one of the other plates is going to fall down. Really taking a look at how to balance the needs of the guests. What were they looking for? Balance the needs of the employees. How could I keep staff and keep them engaged and keep them learning and growing? And then how could I still return to the investors and owners at the same time? Awesome. I mean, your words remind me of the book Setting the Table by Danny Myers, where, you know, the enlightened hospitality is starting. It's not just with the guests, but, it's, you know, it starts with your employees. You've got to balance those plates. And then, like you say, you have to balance the plates of the, the guests and your investors, too. You can't forget about your investors. As, you know, in enlightened hospitality, you're serving everybody and you can't lose focus on any one particular group. So that's very, very valuable information. And um, your ability to adapt and pivot, too was really intriguing to me because in this industry you can get set in your ways, but the, your market's not always the same and you have to be willing to adapt and to pivot with your business to stay um, relevant. And it sounds like you did an amazing job at that. So uh, thank you for sharing that story. And it co has come to the time of the show where you just pepper us with a little bombs of knowledge. Okay, let's go Eric. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So the first question I have for you is what advice do you have for funding a restaurant? I would say in funding a restaurant, have a plan. Know how you're going to start and know what your exit strategy is going to be. Have a personal commitment or a personal stake in the restaurant in some way, shape, or form, whether it's with sweat or whether it's with your own finances. And then I say, and this is, this is going way old school because uh, nobody uses a Rolodex anymore, but uh, – you gotta, you got to go through your Rolodex and see who in there knows you for what you're all about, and those are the people that you should go to to say, hey, come on board with my plan. Here's what it is. Uh, here's how I'm going to make it successful. Awesome. Make sure you have a plan. Have a stake in the restaurant and use your network. I love it. Yes. The next question I have for you is what advice do you have for hiring good people? Well, I think one of the things, and uh, Danny Meyer would always say this, is that you've got to find people that enjoy being around people. It's certainly in the front of house or in a service experience role, that is entirely important. But, you know, for me, I'm looking for passion. I'm looking for that little bit of fire that says to me, okay, I don't know it all. I'm, and I'm willing to accept that I don't know it all. I can learn, I can grow, but I can also contribute. So look for that, that little spark of passion. You can either get it in the eyes, you can get it in the answers to interview questions. You can possibly get it from past experiences, um, but it's really about the interpersonal drive that somebody has. That, I think, is going to make a good employee. Awesome. And exactly what are the passions you're looking for? Well, I'm, I'm looking for, in the restaurant industry, I'm looking for passion about food and wine. I'm looking for a passion for serving other people. I'm looking for a passion of working with other people and being a team member. And I'm looking for a passion to grow and improve on a daily basis. And what are the cues you pick up on to tell you that this person has those passions? 
specifically the passions for uh, serving others? A lot of times we'll ask people, what is important to you about where you go to work? Because in San Francisco alone, you've got 3,000 restaurants that you could choose to work in. What are the things that are important to you? And the answers that I get to that question, when I hear people say things like, I want to contribute to the overall success. I want to make people happy. I want to work in a place where I can be proud of the food, of the decor, of the commitment. Those sorts of things are what, what trigger the passion for me. Awesome. I love it. And I do have a tendency of drawing out questions when somebody's laying down mega bombs of knowledge. And that's what just happened. I had to keep going deeper. So thank you. Sorry for drawing that one out. Um, when you find these good people, what is your advice for keeping them on your team? I think that you have to make a connection with the employee. You have to understand where that passion level is because the motivation for each individual to be successful is going to be a little bit different. If we're just talking about the service side of the restaurant, there's going to be some servers that are going to be really passionate about wine. There's going to be some that are really passionate about food. There's going to be some that are you know, very passionate about just the overall guest experience. And certainly you want all of that in, in, in every one of your servers, but if you can if you can find the little nugget of each person that they are passionate about, then let them run with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, when I find the, 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 the servers that are really into wine, there will always come a time where I may need a dedicated wine person on the floor, maybe to cover for the wine director or cover for the sommelier, or maybe do a, a, a private party where they want particular wine expertise. I give it to that server. I say, here, take this, go with it. So, and I'm sure they, out, I'm sure they love it too. Yeah, and that's and, and and that's the thing. So, you make a commitment to them uh, to help them be successful, and I think that that's that ultimately why people will stay working for you. Awesome. What advice do you have for teamwork and getting through a heat a heated rush or just a difficult day or week? In the moment, which is what this, what this business is all, all about, I would say be proactive to being reactive. Mm. Ultimately, this business is about being reactive. Things happen, and then we have to adjust. And so the ability to – you can say, hey, let's be proactive, but you can't plan for everything that's going to happen mm -hmm. in the course of a, of a given night. So you have to be proactive to being reactive. So when a guest calls and says, I'm going to be 15 minutes late for my reservation, what do you do? Like, you can't be proactive other than to have a, a mindfulness of going into the night that that is going to happen at some point in time. And so you can't let it affect you negatively. You have to say, what am I going to do about it? And so when it gets busy, when there's things going on, it's really important for, for all of us as team members to communicate about how we're reacting to what is happening. So, for instance, if, you go ahead, if, if all of a sudden a wave of guests come in and you're basically a little bit behind the eight ball and you have to seat the dining room a little bit more aggressively than what you would like for the flow – then you go and talk to the chef, go and talk to the kitchen, 
let them know up front, hey, look, in 30 minutes from now, you're going to get hit. So start thinking about it. Just start simple communication. Right frame just of mind. letting everyone yeah. know and just uh, passing the word on. And that's the proactive. Uh, if everybody is ready and they can embrace for, impa- or brace for impact, it will make um, I mean, nobody likes a surprise. So, <laughs> um, so on that, let's talk about your um, best restaurant resource. What's one book or magazine or podcast that you love and you believe is a must listen or must read? Wow. So, I guess if we are going to go to to a must read, I would go to Danny Meyer's book and put that one on the list. I would also go to I'm gonna I'm I'm spacing on the name of the book. Uh, but I believe it's the law of attraction by Marianne Williamson as a as a as a good not a restaurant specific book but one of how to set yourself up as a really solid leader by paying attention, being mindful, and and being conscious what it is that is really the right thing to do. Um, but ultimately, for me, the best resource is people. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's being able to rely on mentors, peers, um, other restaurateurs, other chefs, and just getting little pieces from them of what has made them successful or how they view quality. That is probably the best resource that you could have. If only there was a resource that asked a bunch of people what qualities they needed to be successful. I mean, wow. Well, isn't that restaurant unstoppable? <laughs> here it is. It's oh, right what? here. <laughs> well, that's exactly why I started the show because I couldn't agree more with you. I, I wanted this resource, the resource you're talking about, and uh, I couldn't agree more. It's just tap into the people in our, our industry, and you'd be surprised how many people are just willing to help and to offer you their suggestions and their advice. It's it's incredible how many people have helped me and other people who listen to the show. So yeah, all such incredible advice. <laughs> Pardon the interruption, guys, but as always, just a quick reminder that you can find every resource we're talking about in the show notes at www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 79. And these books are on audio at audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. You can get your free copy today. And that second book that Pete was talking about was called The Law of Divine Compensation by Marianne Williamson. Uh, he sent me an email after the show correcting himself, so that's the title of that second book. Back to the show. So, um, one of the reasons why I'm really excited to talk to you is because you are a director of operations and you get to spend time doing research on things like marketing. So, talk to us about marketing. What are some tools we can use in our restaurants to be as effective as possible? I'm going to be a little bit old school, and and certainly there's lots of technology out there that's great and has certainly enhanced the guest experience and the ability for for managers and owners to to run their business more effectively. Uh, I do use a restaurant software called Avero that really dials me in on all the analytics of, uh, of a particular day or week or month. Uh, and it and it can really go down to um, some real, real specific data. I think the other aspect of Avero that I really like is an interactive and online management logbook that we let you know all of the chefs and managers and wine directors all communicate via that. And you know it's as easy as and there's a there's a, a phone app for it, so you can you know you can pick it up at home. 
uh, the next morning, that night. Open Table certainly is a great tool for recording guest preferences uh, and helping helping managers to customize the guest experience. So I you know, want to we definitely just... use, we use Facebook, we use Twitter. Those those I sort of turn those tools over to like the next the next generation that's under me and say you guys run with this stuff because you're really good at it and then give me my little reports where I need to have reports. So do you outsource your um, social media? Just curious, or do you do it in-house? No, we do it all in-house. Awesome. I love that you do that. I feel like so many people just try to outsource social media just to get rid of it. And the thing is, as soon as you get rid of it, you stop the true connections with your guests. And that's what it's there for, to be authentic. So, um, I mean, we don't have, that's a topic for a different day. But I'm also curious to say, Avero Analytics, what data do you take advantage of when using, um, like, what what data do you look for to use for marketing? So I look at the menu mix that can, that can, that can show me, you know, where guest preferences are. And that will always lead me to where is the strength. And so, you know, in, in, in sports, they always say play to your strengths. That is one area that the menu mix can, can give you. I certainly use it in sort of individual server performance evaluations. But again, if we're talking marketing, I think that, that you really have to look at what the guest is looking for and sort of tailor that experience. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things I think, you know, it's always somewhat of a challenge for restaurants and, and maybe the ones that are in, in, in the segment of Water Bar and Epic Roast House, which are fine dining restaurants, is lunch. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows your, knows Water Bar and Epic for dinner, and they love coming here, and the demand is really high. But lunch, there's always opportunity. There's always open seats. And so I try to really make it a point of talking to guests. Where are they from? Mm-hmm. How did they hear about us? Why did they come here? And that will give you the information that you need to help tailor your marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's going to be it's going to be pretty simple. It's not rocket science. You know, people's decisions are going to really be based around uh, location and revolving around price point and revolving around speed of service. But then, you know, ultimately, if you can add that little bit of personal connection to it, I think it makes it even better. Absolutely. I know that's probably not giving you, it's probably not giving you the home run, no. uh, this, this perfect little tool uh, to go out for everybody to be successful in marketing. No, it's, it's a, it's incredible. It's truly incredible advice and it's so accurate. And there are tools. I mean, I can think of one um, talking about being able to, you know, just question your guests and to gather information about where they're from, why they're here. That's so important to know. And um, one tool that I, that's come up a few times on the show is hum. And it's a surveying software that's incredible for doing that using a tablet just to Ask the simple questions to gather information on your guests. Just the demographic and the psychographic information you can pick up just by simply asking is so powerful. So I'm very happy you shared that with us. Um, and there are tools to use to gather that information. So, um, all right, moving on. To well, I next. just wrote I just wrote it down, so that's going to be on my on my list to check out. Awesome. I'm not familiar with Hum. Yeah, and you guys at home, you just check out the show notes www.restaurantunstoppable/slash/79. All the links will be in the show notes to everything we talked about. So just head over there if you can't remember what it's called. And um, what is 
your best business advice for someone new to the industry? Be a sponge. Soak up everything that you possibly can from any experience. And I really, truly believe that if you're going to get into this industry, you've got to go work at a couple different places and you've got to experience it hands-on. And then you've got to take in, and you can take in good and bad. You can, you know, look at different experiences and say, you know what, I didn't enjoy this. These are the reasons why. I'm going to make my personal style or I'm going to make my restaurant do it differently. I'm going to do it this way. And then take all the good things that, that, that people have to offer. But really, be a sponge is going to be my advice. Awesome. Um, so I have asked all the questions I have for you. What is one question you think could have added value to this interview? Ooh, what is one question? I think I'll go back to one, and I believe that I already mentioned it. What would be the deciding factor for you to come work at this restaurant? People ask me, you know, why did you do Water Bar and Epic Roast House? Then I would have the answer for that question. But that is the one question that, that I typically ask people that, that could come and work for me. What is the deciding factor about where you want to go work? And what is the right answer to that question? For me, it's all about making people happy. And, you know, I had the opportunity to do a couple great restaurants on one of the most spectacular locations in San Francisco. And even though it took a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of hassle, and a lot of money, um, it was well worth it because what it does is it provides this incredible experience for people not only to enjoy the view and the waterfront, but to enjoy great food and great service. Awesome. Um, we have gone a little longer than usual, but whenever I have a guest on the show, I just, and they're just dropping such, you know, huge, valuable bombs of knowledge and laying gold everywhere. I have trouble stopping them. So I hope you didn't mind going a little bit long. I'm sure the folks at home are happy I let you go because, I mean, there's just so much value in this interview. So let's wrap it up. And we do that by, you know, telling me who's one person that you admire in this industry that you think would make a great addition to the show. And that's how I found you, uh, Garrett Harker over at, um, at uh, Eastern Standard said I had to talk to you, and I'm so happy he did because it was totally worthwhile. Well, I think who I'm going to give you and uh, is the first mentor that I really had in this business. Uh, he was the, uh, the regional director for Houlihan's Restaurants when I worked in uh, Houlihan's in uh, San Francisco on Fisherman's Wharf. And his name is Phil Hickey, and Phil is uh, the current board president of the National Restaurant Association uh, and has uh, been just a, uh, has a phenomenal career in, uh, in the industry, has, has, has taken many companies uh, into mega multi-units and uh, has been a, a, a huge part of, of success of so many different restaurants. And so Phil Hickey is a, is a guy that I still stay in touch with. And, and, and when I have a really hard question that I'm not quite sure about what I want to do, he's a guy I'd go to. 
Phil, look out, man. I am coming after you. We will get you on the show, and I cannot wait to learn uh, what you know, knowledge is up in that head that you're going to share with us. So, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Before I let you go, I just want to give you an opportunity to let people at home know how can they connect with you? I'm sure there's just people that are saying, wow, this guy is awesome. I want to go work for a company like that. Um, and how can they, what's the best way? Well, you're going to be able to, uh, find both the restaurants, uh, via our website. So water bar, is www.waterbarsf, all one word, dot com, waterbarsf.com. And Epic Roast House is www.epicroasthouse.com. And those can get you to both the restaurants. That can get you to uh, a way to connect with me. My email address is Pete, P-E-T-E, at Coletto, K-U-L-E-T-O.com. And uh, I would encourage anyone to just reach out and say, Hey, I heard you on the show. Awesome. Well, you know, uh, all those links will be in the show notes if you guys couldn't write it all down. So just head over to the show notes if you want to uh, get that information. And thank you sincerely for, you know, taking the time out of your very busy schedule to add to this melting pot of mentors. You are incredible. All right. I'm going to pop out now and uh, go talk to a few guests during lunch. And it's been a pleasure to talk to Eric and uh, hopefully this helps out some people. And uh, have a great, great day. Thank you. You as well. Take care. Another terrific episode here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Pete Sitnik, thank you so much for dropping all those bombs of knowledge and just spreading your mentorship for all to absorb. It was, uh, like you said, be a sponge. So um, I hope you guys were sponges today, and I hope everyone at home just soaked up all that information he left for us. Uh, I'm not going to go too long today because it is running late on the show. So I am just going to uh, leave you with a few resources of past episodes that I think may benefit you based off some of some of the things we discussed today. So uh, Pete had mentioned how in like 1989 and 1990, he went and outsourced an answering service for, uh, you know, the, for the receptionist to free up his host. Uh, and I think that's just incredible, you know, advice and a, one way to really become more effective and efficient at your restaurant and to learn more about how you can outsource uh, a host or receptionist. Check out the interview I had with Brian Miles and Nick Loper um, on the topic of virtual assistants. These two guys are experts on virtual assistants. I'll have the link in the show notes, www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 79, and I'll also throw in a link to my interview with Bernard Briggs of Hum. And uh, yeah, that's another incredible episode where we discuss uh, how to gather data on your guests through uh, surveying on a tablet. And there's just so many little pieces of you know gold that your guests will give you and on how to market towards them just simply by asking. And this is a great service that will help you do that. So uh, again, head over to the show notes, www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 79. And you will find all the links of everything we discussed, the services, the books, and these additional episodes uh, right there. All right. I'm going to leave you alone now until next time. Peace out.